get into the word tonight. Give the Lord a hand clap and we're ready to go. Proverbs chapter 28. This is our key scripture for these series of sermons on faithfulness. How many of you have been blessed by this, this, this series? This has been a, oh gosh, it's been life-changing. It's been a life-changing series. Faithfulness to God, Proverbs 28, verse 20. I don't know what time, what time I got, about 10 till, is that right? About 10 till? 15 till? Okay, good. Just let me know when I'm out of time. Y'all start the clock right now. Proverbs 28, verse 20. Let's read verse 20 together. Ready? Read. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Now notice a faithful man is the one that abounds in blessings. A guy that's faithful. Now again, uh, we've been talking about the fact that we're not just talking about the faithfulness that you have to your church or the faithfulness that you have to your man of God or the faithfulness you have, you know, in your department or the thing that you've been called to do. But we've been talking about faithfulness towards God and being faithful to God and we understand that if a man can be faithful to God then he can be faithful to his church he can be faithful to his man of God he can be faithful to his spouse he can be faithful to everything else because he is faithful to his God but now if you fail in your faithfulness to God then most likely you will fail in your faithfulness to one another. It'll be easy for you to commit adultery when you're not faithful to God. It'll be easy for you to not come to church but once every three months if you're not faithful to God. It'll be easy for you to say yes with your mouth but never able to show up and back up with your, what your words spoke when you're not faithful to God. I believe one of the master key things in life I believe, and we've called it in this series, a power connection. Faithfulness to God is a power connection. And uh, if you're wondering why there is a power shortage in your life, if you're wondering why there is a fruit shortage in your life, well, instead of making excuses for the lack of fruit that's coming up in your life, maybe you need to begin to examine this area of faithfulness towards God. In other words, can God rely on you to keep his word? Can God rely on you to say no to things that compromise his word? Can God rely on you to pray in the morning when he wakes you up? Can God rely on you to spend quality time with him? Can God rely on you to obey him when he speaks to your voice to do a certain thing? Can God use you? It's not that God does not want to use you, but can he use you? Will you be faithful to God in the area of giving, in the area of praying, in the area of holy living? Will you be faithful to hear his voice and then obey his voice? Can God trust, rely, and depend on you? You see, honey, if God can't trust and rely and depend on you, I don't know why should I. Are you listening to me? It is the master key. And when we pass the test of faithfulness towards God in our vertical relationship, then it will set us up to operate on the level of a horizontal. Now, we spend a lot talking about the vertical relationship and I want to bring us down to this horizontal relationship 
faithfulness with one another and, and the things that we operate in. Now, I believe on Friday we started dealing with the enemies of faithfulness. In other words, what are the things that uh, will challenge you in your faithfulness towards God? What are the things that will constantly come up in your face and in your life to try to tip you and pressure you not to follow through with your faithfulness towards God? I think, number one, we said it was boredom. And Friday night, we spent half that night learning how to be content, learning how to to be in a position where we were resting and that we were satisfied in our mind where we crave for nothing else. We learned the importance of our sufficiency being in the anointing and that everything we need is in the anointing and that when a man understands the importance of the anointing of God in and on his life, then he becomes like the Apostle Paul he becomes self-sufficient in the sufficiency of the anointed one and his anointing. That's what the, the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We know Christ is a Greek word which is translated the anointed one and his anointing. And when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, what he said was, I have all sufficiency. I am self-sufficient in the sufficiency of the anointed one and his anointing. And so we learn how to be content, not in the problem, but we're content in the anointing. We're content to know that no matter what's going on in our lives, that we can do anything through the anointed one and his anointing. And he becomes our sufficiency and our supply for what we need. Well, the second area, the second enemy to your faithfulness is something that I think we need to examine very closely tonight something that all of us are very familiar with, it is the enemy of pride. I tell you, when a man walks in pride, it will become the thing that will cause him to absolutely challenge his faithfulness to God when you walk in pride. Now, I want to look at Romans chapter 12, and I want us to, to, to define and come up with a definition of what he's talking about here where pride is concerned because when a man walks in pride he is not going to walk number one he's not going to walk faithful to God because pride just simply says he has become more faithful in himself and in his own way of doing things rather than being faithful in God's way of doing things so you can't operate as a prideful man and operate faithful towards God God can't depend on a prideful man God can't depend on a man who wants to live by his way of doing things rather than living by God's way of doing things. Now notice here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and let's read verse, verse 3. In fact, let's, I want to read verses 1 through 3 and, and, and see the whole thing here. Let's read verse 1 through 3 together. Ready? Read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, I want to zero in on this area where he said not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And then he's, he puts a semicolon here, and then he says, but he ought to think soberly. Well, I can't help but to see the implication here that when a man thinks higher than what he ought to think of himself, that uh, the opposite of being sober is in, intoxicated. Kind of like a guy who's drunk or he's intoxicated off of off substance versus a guy who is sober. So he's saying that when a guy thinks higher of himself than what he ought to think, you know what he's saying about himself? He is saying that that guy is intoxicated in his thinking. He's drunk. He's drunk. So when you start thinking of yourself, now, neither do you take it to the extreme to the bottom. Start thinking so low of yourself that you don't come up to where you ought to be thinking of yourself. But he says don't think more highly than what you ought to think. In other words, you got the Amplified Bible. Let me show you what he says here. The Amplified translates this, this real good. Verse 3, listen to this. For by grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn every one among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith uh, apportioned by God to him. So he says, don't, don't have an, an, an exaggerated opinion of yourself. And, and that's the pure, pure form of what pride is all about. Satan was dealt with because he had, a, he had an exaggerated opinion of himself. Now, he was awesome. Oh, make no doubt about it. The, oh, the Bible says the beauty oh, that, that this archangel had was absolutely something else. Said that, uh, man, his singing was absolutely something else. Said he had, uh, he had, he said he had uh, instruments on the inside of him. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, Whitney Houston can sing, but imagine singing with an orchestra. Imagine not taking a band with you, you just open your mouth up, start singing, and, and you got music coming out at the same time. I mean, you, 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 we can't even imagine that. The guy opens his mouth up, he's got strings and, 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 and bells and everything coming out at the same time. Awesome. The Bible referred to him as the anointed cherub. That's why I want you to change your mind about the devil. Honey, if the devil were to ever come in your own, he wouldn't be the guy with the big horns on his face. You kidding me? That brother have S curl all the way down his back. Twelve button suit. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, the beauty on him was absolutely second to none. I mean, he was totally awesome. And what happened was he had an exaggerated opinion of himself, went around heaven, went around heaven, and deceived a third of the angels. If God can do it, why can't I? I'm anointed. And remember now, he's an archangel. Satan's not a god, he's an archangel. He's an archangel. Ha. He's an archangel. Somebody says, so what? I tell you, so what? In God's order, it's the God class 
the man class, then the angel class. You have authority over the angel class. My God, and the devil is in the, in the angel class. And, and not only is he in the angel class, but he in the sin class. Ain't nowhere in the world that devil ought to be having any kind of authority in your house. You ought to go home and clean house. Get that devil. You ought to go home right now, tonight, and say, boy, I found out who the boss is. An over-exaggerated opinion of yourself. And he says, you ought to think sober. So if, if we're operating in pride, the Bible says you have exaggerated to a point of intoxication. The Bible says you've gotten yourself to a point where you're intoxicated. Now what happens when a man's intoxicated? He loses balance. He's drunk. His senses aren't operating right. He'll say things he wouldn't normally say might do things that he wouldn't normally do. Or if all else fails, he'll just fall asleep when he ought to be up. Intoxicated thinking. And what he said is, I need you to get sober in your thinking. I need you. Now, I'm going to bring this down on a level of practicality. We may have to work on this tonight, but we, we need to get this. We heard the word pride, but we got to see what, it, what it is. Pride is very simply, folks. I want you to see it. Pride is you doing your thing rather than doing God's thing. That's as simple as I can put it. It's your program versus God's program. The word humble or to walk in Bible humility is when you submit and comply to the plans and programs of God, then you are walking in Bible humility. But pride is a rebellion instead of compliance. It rebels against the, the program of God. It rebels and does not submit to the things of God. And it refuses to comply. The book of Isaiah chapter 14, uh, when uh, Satan had an over-exaggerated uh, 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 opinion of himself. Uh, in fact, if you'll turn there, well, you remember he said, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God, and I will be like the most high God, and I uh, will sit where God sits. And then in the next verse, it took a reality to break, and it said, like lightning, we saw him falling from heaven. Wherever you see the spirit of I, you see the spirit of Satan. And that's the spirit of pride. Make sure, folks, when God starts showing out in your life, don't forget to give him the glory. Give him the glory. I know it's hard. Sometimes you just want to say what you did. But give him the glory because if you'll give him the glory, he'll give you the glory. Are you listening to me? Now, how does all this fit in the, in the, in the, in the enemy towards faithfulness? Well, I'm sure you can see this now. It becomes very difficult for me to be faithful and dependable uh, and show my faithfulness towards God when I'm so busy trying to do my own thing. And there are so many people who are so determined to do their own thing. And then try to make God come and be a part of it. No, here's how it works. You got to be faithful to God if you want him to be faithful to you. And what happens, we hadn't been faithful to God, and so we come up with this big plan. Man, I have never seen so many. I'm not going to say that. We have, uh, let me just pick my notes up and read it. 
so I won't say what's on my mind because I don't even know if y'all ready for that. Y'all had enough Sunday, and I try to give you a break between services on Sunday. Uh, well, I don't know if I can be to get away from it because it's in Luke. Look at Luke 16. Look at Luke 16, verse 10. Everybody understand what, what pride is now? If, uh, if you're operating in pride and you're operating your own plan and program, you're not being faithful to God, you're being faithful to yourself. And you can't be faithful to yourself and, and be faithful to God at the same time. If you're faithful to yourself, then you'll sin when self wants to sin. If you're faithful to yourself, then you'll yield to the flesh when the flesh wants something. And God is saying, I need you to be faithful to me more than anybody or anything else. Drop your plans. Too many of us have come up with our own plans and God's trying to use us. God had a plan for our, for our lives from the very foundation of the world. And we are so busy trying to accomplish our own thing that we've gotten so busy in what we want to do, we can't even hear what God wants us to do. And you'll spend the rest of your life trying to do your thing and get to heaven and find out you did the wrong thing. Don't ever forget what I'm about to say. But judgment day is not going to be a, a day where we start handing out accolades and trophies for all the good things you've done. Judgment day is only going to be a day. A day where they pick up the book with your assignment in it and evaluate if you followed your assignment. It'll be a day to judge you on what God told you to do. It'll be a day where God's judging faithfulness. Did you accomplish the will of God for your life? Now, why would anybody want to waste time doing something that God didn't tell them to do? And then say, I'm faithful. Why would anybody want to waste time going to a church where God didn't tell them to go and said, I was faithful? Or singing in a choir where God didn't tell you to sin, sing and say you were faithful? Or, or, or getting in a ministry that God didn't tell you to get in and say you were faithful? I'd rather scrub the floors for the rest of my life in the will of God than to be on a stage preaching to thousands of people. Because when I get to heaven, it'll be the guy who scrubbed the floors in the will of God that'll take the best seat and the guy who forced the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? You ought not to be seeking what you see everybody else have. You ought to be seeking what God wants you to have. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying? That's the only thing that matters. Am I doing what God's called me to do? And it may not look great in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God, it is great because I am fulfilling the spot that God calls me to be born to fulfill. And I think sometimes we forget that. We get our minds and our eyes on, on everything else. And we forget about the most important thing is the directed life and the directed ministry and the will of God for our lives. I want to be in the will of God for my life. You know, if God called me, you know, to be the ministry of helps for the rest of my life, and they can call me flunky, 
and slave and yes man, but when I get to heaven, they'll be calling me yes sir. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love as you minister to the saints and do minister. I want to be in the perfect will of God for my if if doing this right here was not the perfect will of God for my life, I would not do it. But it's the perfect will of God for my life. Lord, it's hard to talk in tongues when the lights won't come on in the morning. And, and Lord, you know, I ain't got no car. And, and, and Lord, and God knows all of that. But remember, it's the faithful prayer and the diligent prayer that brings the reward. You don't stop praying just because you don't see results. In fact, it's, it's, you, it's, it's by you keep doing it when the lights ain't on and, and when the food's not there and when the car's not working and when you ain't got It's when you keep doing it that God is working out a permanent solution for those who will diligently and faithfully seek him because the faithful man will abound in blessings. Are y'all following what I'm saying? And I'm talking about faithful to prayer. Faithful to daily contact. A man that doesn't experience daily contact with God is a fool. Because that's his life set. It's just like a man who refuses to breathe oxygen. You have, there's not one time where you don't have any contact with this oxygen. Because if you did, what would happen? What do you think happens when a man is no longer in contact with God? He is your life. In him we live. In him we move. In him our very being is in him. How can we even think about trying to exist without being in contact with the very, the very life giving forth? My God, we get complacent with this thing. We'll go a week and we'll be fired up after the night. Woo, I'm going to pray. Pray all the way home. Pray yourself to sleep tonight. Wake up tomorrow. Can you see now why faithfulness has got to be the, the master key? Because, honey, you can do something right, but if you don't do it long enough, you understand what I'm saying? You can have a flat tire. And I can take you to a place where there's a, a hose with air in it. And you know it'll work. But, you know, it won't work if you stick it on and then take it off right quick. And say, it's still flat. Well, the reason why it's still flat is because it takes a little more diligence to get that tire like you want it. You have to stick it on, position it, and just let it stay there. And then when it reaches the desired point, you remove it, and you can keep rolling. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of us, we've got a slow leap. And what happens is we get inflated with the Word of God and the power of God, but we won't, we, won't, we won't fix that leap, man. And we get to rolling in life. We get to rolling in life. And before you know it, we've got a flat tire. And some of us let our tire just stay flat. Some of us are content to just, let's just take the regular tire off and put one of the little small ones on. And ride around unbalanced, just, just.
I tell you what, God's going to, God wants to do more this year. But he's waiting to see how much more you're going to do. You want more? Then do more. Get in the Word more. Listen to those tapes more. Pray more. Talk to them. Every now and then when you're lying on the bed looking at TV, turn it off. And say, Lord, I just appreciate you so much. You've been so good to me. You don't stir yourself up by way of remembrance. The Bible says to do that. The Bible says you can stir yourself up by, you don't stir yourself up by standing up and clapping. Yay, what you doing? I'm stirring myself. No, you ain't. That ain't how you stir yourself up. Somebody will let religion come in and, and, and tell them, so I ain't going to stir yourself up. Yay, I'm stirred up. No, you, you're just clapping. You stir yourself up by way of remembrance. You start going back and counting your blessings. You start remembering what God promised in his word, and you go back and see what he did. You go back and look how God bought you out of that, and look how God delivered you out of that, and look how God paid that off for you, and look how God provided with you that. And look how God did that when they say he wasn't going to do that. And look at what God doing right now when they said he wasn't going to show up no more. And look what God did even though you weren't faithful. His faithfulness just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. You get yourself stirred up by remembering what the Lord has already done. I can't forget what he's done for me. And every time you start thinking about quitting, every time you start thinking about going slack, slack on your faithfulness, you start thinking about, look here, here's the same God that's been waking me up for the last 40, 50, and 60 years. Here's the same God that keeps showing up every time I call him. Sometimes he answers my prayer before I even pray my prayer. Here's the same God that keeps showing up financially, even though I didn't pay my tithe, even though I didn't give when he told me to give. He showed up and gave even when I didn't deserve it. The same God that keeps showing up over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden, my faith gets stirred up. My belief gets stirred up. My love gets stirred up. Hey, I get stirred in the spirit of the living God. Because I'm stirring myself up by remembering what he's already done. And honey, if that won't get you in a time of prayer, I don't know what will. Every time you're tempted to lay over, turn over and go to sleep. Remind yourself that when I called him in the midnight hour, he didn't turn over and go to sleep on me. When I needed him at 4 a.m., he spoke a word to me, and I was able to go back to sleep and rest. Well, if God is going to be that faithful to me, when he calls me, I got to get up out of that bed. I got to get to that place of prayer. I got to meet him in the secret place of the Most High God. I got to. I owe it to him. Not that he sent me a bill. Not that he's calling and harassing me every day. But he's been so good to me. And the Bible says, it's the goodness of God that brings a man to repentance. It's God's goodness. Not his wrath, it's his goodness. He just keep being good. He keep being, he just keep, and then it's just changing you. And you change your mind about that and you change your mind. Well, change your mind about prayer. Leave pride and get into prayer. Be faithful to prayer and you'll not have to worry about intoxicated thinking 
and you'll be sober in your thinking and you'll be faithful to God who then will be faithful to you. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Come on, let's stand up and worship the Lord. We... My God. Lord, we praise you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you without reservation. We, we change our mind and we change our heart and we change our direction. And we commit ourselves to come before you as a people of prayer. We defeat prayerlessness. And in doing that, we defeat pride. We will not allow pride to be an enemy to our faithfulness. And yes, we desire your perfect will for our lives. We know the only way we can find that perfect will is through the place of prayer. We praise you, God. Forgive us, Lord, for ever taking you for granted. Forever taking you for granted, Lord, and, and then figuring, well, you're just going to be there. And, and Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You want me to say it now? Oh. Judgment is not a result of God. Judgment is a result of sin. Let me explain it to you. There is an end. You can get spiritual all you want to, but mercy and grace has the end of a rope. And when you come to the end of the rope of mercy and grace, the next thing is judgment. And the judgment didn't come because of God, it came because of sin. And that's why I'm warning you and, 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 and crying loud to come out of your sin. Why? Because sin is full. It's about to spill over. And when it spills over, judgment hits. When you've run to the end of your rope and your mercy and you've tested God and you've tested God and you've tested God and you've partook of mercy and you've partook of mercy. And I know the Bible says, and his mercy endureth forever. God, if you start studying this thing out, he also says, he anointeth thy head with oil. My cup runneth over. If you look at a cup or a mug that's not transparent, Nobody ever reacts while the cup's being filled. Nobody even knows what's really going on while the cup is being filled. Nobody really responds until they see the cup overflowing. And when it overflows, everybody's jumping for something. Well, that's where we are right now. The glory is about to overflow, but yes, at the same time, judgment's about to overflow. And, and it has to happen that way because if the glory overflows, flows, it becomes burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. And sin can't survive in its presence. We've got to make a move now. Now is the time to make the move. Now is the time to quit whatever you've been trying to quit. <laughs> now is the time.
for two reasons. Number one, the mercies of God and the greatness of God is so ever ready to pour out great things upon your life. But number two, God does know what has to be released in order to restore the fear of God. And we all agree the fear of God has been lost in the lives of a lot of people. But I want you to recall in the Bible the things that were done to restore the fear of the Lord. When Ananias and Sapphira were carried out there, the Bible says great fear went throughout the entire church and the fear of the Lord came there. Well, I don't want us to have to have one of those experiences. I don't want us to have to come after church one Wednesday night and have to pick up dead bodies because and we can't, can't nobody figure out why all these folk died out here in the parking lot. I don't want any of that stuff to happen. I don't want you to know anything but joy and greatness and gladness and prosperity and healing and all of the great promises of God. But some people still make God like he's a fool. And the Bible said, God is not mocked or made a fool of. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he surely reap. Now, you put mercy and do it together with that. Now, he's also said what he said about sowing and reaping. How far then, how far then does the mercies of God go? It goes as far as a man's willingness to change. Are you ready to change? But when he sees that you're unwilling to do what needs to be done, you're at the end of your rope. It's no different than the unpardonable sin. God will forgive every sin. But then there's an unpardonable sin that, I mean, you got to be so, in such a level to commit. But the only reason God can't forgive you of the unpardonable sin is because there's a guy who said the blood of Jesus ain't no good, God ain't no good, I count the blood worthless, and I don't believe that there's a God. Well, there ain't nothing God can do for that guy anyway because he's turned against him completely after seeing the power of God. Only go as far as that guy's willingness to change. I believe you're willing to change tonight. I believe heaven's going to receive sweet incense tomorrow morning. No, I'll go farther. God, prepare heaven for the sweet incense of world changes that will come up before you on a daily basis. And you watch and see what changes in your life because you renewed your contact with God and defeated pride forever. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. For the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the anointing of your power, your grace, your love, and your mercy. But we give you praise that we are sober in our thinking. We are not going to have an exaggerated opinion of ourselves, but we're going to walk in the will of God. and We're going to walk in a life of prayer versus a life of pride. We're free from pride. We're free from self. And Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that you will exalt us in due season. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here right now, no soft music, no sad stories, just a quality decision. If you're here right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, everybody stop walking. Don't walk. We in training. Do not walk. Unless you got to go to work, you can tiptoe out. But if you ain't got to go to work, keep yourself still. Now, very quickly, if you're not born again, if you're on your way to hell, and you want to change that, 